Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Miltite. This time, there's outright sexual harassment, and there are the subtler forms of being put in your place as a woman. We talk for probably 40 minutes. At the end of the conversation, he says, okay, my dear, and hangs up. And I was stunned. Then there's the question of what to do about it. I think it's important to speak up because I think a lot of it comes out very unconsciously. I don't know that they really spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, I'm going to demean that woman over there. I think it's just automatic. Coming up, the first of two shows on sex and power in the 21st century workplace. I was at a birthday dinner in December, and the hostess said, have you ever done a show on sexual harassment? She's a lawyer, and she talked about how this one judge always talks about her looks or the way she's dressed – but he doesn't take her seriously as an attorney. He always addresses his business questions to her male colleague. Now, to a lot of people, that's not quite sexual harassment, but it's certainly related, and so many women face this kind of thing in their daily lives. I'm going to start the show by talking about something some people think of as totally innocuous, terms of endearment. I heard from a listener last year saying, I'm in my mid-20s, How are women like me meant to be taken seriously as professionals when vendors, clients, colleagues, they call us things like sweetheart and honey? Ibi Caputo faced a similar problem recently. She's a freelance journalist. She lives in Boston. She works in radio like me. And not long ago, she was hired to work with a guy on his audio project. She was brought on as his editor. You know, I was excited about this job and... But then there were these red flags that that sort of started coming up. So one of them happened at the end of a, you know, we were remote. Uh, we don't live near each other. So we were talking on the phone. And and then right at the end, we talked for probably 40 minutes. At the end of the conversation, he says, okay, my dear, and hangs up. You know, okay, my dear, talk to you later, hangs up. And I was stunned. It was, a, you know, and as the editor you know, the editor is the person who ha- who helps guide the story, shape the story, who has some authority. So I felt like in that moment, he just took everything away. And, you know, I am my husband's dear. I am my father and mother's dear. But I am not the person I work for as dear. So did you address it right away? I mean, how did you deal with it? I did address it right away. And I'm looking up the text I sent right now. I, I addressed it in not the most direct way. Um... I I did not call him back or anything. Let me see here. She admits she took the easier route by sending a text rather than bringing it up in a phone conversation. In her text, she said she had to put this out there, that he'd called her my dear, and it was, she said, a big no-no. So so that's what I said. But And then I wrote, okay, 
and then he did not reply. So I sent that at 4.08 p.m. And then I got an email from him about future work. So he just ignored it. And then, and I called up a friend and I asked her if my reaction was, you know, because I started doubting myself and I'm wondering, you know, is my reaction legit? And she confirmed my reaction was legit. So then I wrote a second text. Again, not the most direct way of doing it, but uh, at 6.27, I sent a text. I got your email about the episode. I really need you to acknowledge the text I sent you about terms of endearment. I need to make sure we are square on that before we move on. And then he wrote back, sorry for the delayed reply. I was making dinner and sorry for the term of endearment. It won't happen again. Okay. So she thought, great, that went well, but it wasn't really over. Over the next little while, there were some difficulties with the show they were working on, the usual work stuff. And then in a phone call, he brought up her manner. He said, your edits are awesome. (laughs) I love what you're doing for the show. But the direct way you talk to me makes me scared to talk to you. My last editor was a really nice person. So so my stomach just kind of sank because I'm a really nice person too, I think. But that has nothing to do with anything. And that other editor, that nice person, she was a woman too. As a society, we still largely expect women to be nice, to tread carefully around others. Ibby was busting that gender stereotype by being straightforward. And suddenly she found herself on the phone, on the defensive. You know, so it was in this weird situation, right? Like, because at least when something like that happens over email, you have time to think and digest... But then all of a sudden, I felt like I had to defend myself because of the direct way I talk or or what he perceives as direct speech, which in my understanding is a great quality for an editor to have because you don't want to waste anyone's time and you want to be clear. And so I started defending myself. I said, I'm very literal and I'm direct and it's all about the work. And I said, I said, I'm all business. It's about the work. And then he laughed and said, yeah, you you are all business. You know, like as if it was a bad thing. (laughs) She began to go over everything that had happened in this back and forth that had started with that first text and wonder. A lot of times I ask myself, well, if I had a penis, what would be different about this situation? If I were a man, would I be coming up against these things? Would a man who was direct with another man be told he was scary to talk to? Doubtful. I think the thing that is the most damaging is then I have to question myself. You know, is there something wrong with me? And of course, I, I questioned, what is wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? And fortunately, there was a um, social gathering that night with a bunch of colleagues and former colleagues and acquaintances in the industry. So I was able to talk to different people, men and women, about it and get feedback on the situation, which helps, again, sort of restore my confidence. But I feel like without that feedback, when things like this happen, you know, the easiest route is to doubt yourself and to question what you could be doing differently. And of course, that is a big part of this, feeling isolated, like you can't talk about it or you're afraid of being judged. We're going to come back to Ibby in a later show. I also spoke to Kathy Elster and Catherine Crowley for this show. 
They're on a business together where they focus on workplace relationships, and they have done for 26 years. So they've had their share of demeaning comments, including quite recently when the publisher of one of their books announced, you ladies have worked your panties off on this one. But some of their clients, they've had much worse experiences. Two female clients lost their jobs recently after refusing the advances of male colleagues. Catherine says this stuff often starts slowly. When a young employee first experiences a boss, perhaps sitting on their desk or leaning very closely or arranging for you to go on a business trip in a very intimate setting, what the usually the employee tells herself is this is just, you know, nothing's really happening here or he's just friendly to me or this is just part of moving my career forward. And then it, it usually tends to build over time, right, where there are a few gestures and then suddenly you find yourself in a fully compromised situation. I, I guess one I was thinking of the car ride back to the hotel where the employee, the boss, suddenly is assuming that she will be sleeping with him. Right. And that's, that's further on in the relationship. That's not the first link. Right. So that was in the financial industry. And uh, the company was bought by a London company. And actually, she had gone over there to do some business with a, a gentleman that was much older than her. I'm going to call him Grandpa. And there was a whole there's a movie out now called Dirty Grandpa. And I can't stop saying that because I think there's a lot of dirty grandpas in the workplace. And he took took her home back to her hotel, gave her a ride and assumed that he was going to be invited up and brought into her room. I, she couldn't believe it, and she turned him down. Now, she did okay. He did not. There was no repercussions from that. But she was really embarrassed um, and put in a horrendous position. And that's the other part is I think that often women wonder if they've done something to bring it on. Right. Right? That's a big part of it. So when it starts to happen, they're not just feeling angry and insulted, they're feeling ashamed and embarrassed and very confused. And so finding the words to say in that moment, I think is very challenging. This kind of predatory behavior is something I'm going to discuss more in the next show. For now, I want to focus on the smaller things, things some people find flattering, others less so. A nickname here, a touch during a meeting there... I put a call out on Facebook to see what you'd experienced in the way of terms of endearment. And I got quite a few replies. I read some of them out to Kathy and Catherine. One male supervisor called me kiddo for almost eight years. Either that or buckaroo. She's had to put up with for quite a while. Um, <laughs> and then one of my Danish listeners said um, a senior male colleague called her little friend. Ah. And she pointed out that she's a lot taller than he is. And then somebody wrote, I worked with someone at a global nonprofit agency the whole world has heard of who told me he was going to spank me if I filled out a form incorrectly. Then there's Ibby's my dear issue. And the listener in her 20s who said, how am I meant to progress when colleagues keep using these terms? How am I meant to discourage them while maintaining the relationship? Many of us either grin or grit our teeth and bear it. This is so tricky, for women to deal with, because depending on who's in the room, you're afraid of looking like, quote, that woman. You're yeah. afraid of somehow upsetting the dynamics in the room and coming out of it looking bad. 
what are we in 2016? What are we supposed to do about this? Yeah, it's it's a really good question, and I mean, depending on the environment, if you know the my dear thing, if if it works for her to go, for her to laugh back and say, okay, honey, you know, basically make it into a joke, so that it, you know it doesn't get left that oh, there's a girl in the room. And, and then all the men start looking at her as less than. But sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes you just have to let it go. And you can say something at another time. If you're alone with that person and you can say, I would prefer if you, if you just refer to me with my name. Use my name. The endearments are lovely, but we're not in that kind of a relationship. So you could just say my name. I think it's important to speak up because I think a lot of it comes out very unconsciously. And I don't. I mean, I don't know that they really spent a lot of time thinking about. Okay, I'm going to demean that woman over there. I think it's just automatic. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to call them on it. I think when women get really angry in the moment, that makes them look bad. That's unfair, but it seems to be true. There's academic research to back it up. Men and women do not respond well to angry women at work. And we'll come back to that idea of the endearments being lovely or not a bit later. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I'm part of a women's journalism organization called JAWS. It stands for Journalism and Women's Symposium. And there was a big discussion on the listserv recently because of one woman's experience. She was a board member at a nonprofit. They were having a meeting. She was the only woman in the room. And the guy next to her, he kept touching her during the meeting. He sort of stroked her arm when he met her. Then he poked her a few times when he was making points. She hated it, but she kept her mouth shut. But she felt bad about that afterwards. I think we all need a list of terms to say in those moments, right? Because that's the whole thing. Is And also, I'm not going to be helpful in terms of a decisive thing to say, but I will say that I think that everyone has their own response to moments like that. So there are people who shut down. If you know you're someone who tends to shut down, that's one thing. Then there are people who become furious. If you know you're that kind of a person, that's another. So it seems like it would almost be worth it to be prepared with you know, what, how do you want to respond? I mean, I think one of the, one of the things you could say if somebody's poking you and touching you at a meeting is you could say, you know what, I really, I don't love being touched. So maybe keep your hands uh, somewhere else. I mean, I think you can say something like that so that you're not bringing attention to your reaction. You bring the attention more to him, mm-hmm. like, you know, or you can subtly change your seat and then that will show people. We talked a lot about an idea Ibby raised with me, that women need some kind of online toolkit we could all refer to. It will be full of responses to use in these kinds of situations. And they could vary depending on different people's personalities and comfort levels with being direct. But at least we'd have a resource. I'm also keen to hear from you about your experiences with unwanted attention at work. Have you taken action in the moment? And if so, how did it go? 
Next, I brought up Ibby's My Dear episode. She did stand up for herself. She said something, but then the man she was working for told her he was intimidated by her. So she felt that after all that, she had hurt the relationship by saying something. See, I I think it was the the mistake was the text, because uh, anything that's written, a text, an email, can be read incorrectly. But if you were to actually go to the person and say, I'm sure you didn't mean this, and and it was very sweet of you to use an endearment, but I prefer to use my name going forward, then he knows it's not coming out of anything that's going to make him scared of you. It's just your preference. But why do we have to say it was sweet of you to use it? Because I don't think it is sweet. I think it's really annoying. It's 2016. Yeah, I understand. But, you know, just we haven't evolved. The human being hasn't evolved into we're still humans. And the male ego is such that we want to get along with them and we want to enlighten them and bring them forward, not make them the enemy. And Actually, I would like to go back to what he said, which I think was a very honest statement, which is I think that most men are terrified by women. And so a lot of those terms are for them to manage their fears and insecurities about working with women. And we have in one of our books, Working for You Isn't Working for Me, I think we have a category called the unconscious discriminator. And that's one of my favorite categories because I think if you want to be inflamed, you can. But if you're talking about, as we're saying, this is a professional situation even if you just say it may not have been your intention, but I'm not comfortable with those terms. You know, it, you can give the person the benefit of the doubt without saying they're lovely, but still address it and try to nip it in the bud and appreciate that it's, and it's not like it's there every um, sexual harassing person is a lovely guy at the core. It's more that addressing it in a non-inflammatory way is your best way out. Unless it's one of those dirty grandpas. You know, it's one of the older men who really, I mean, they're, they're you know, you could be their granddaughter or even their daughter. That's, to me, that's a little gross. And if they come on and they're really lecherous, I think you do have to write to their face, say, that's not allowed. You can't speak to me that way, and I don't appreciate that, and I am not going to have a sexual relationship with you. I mean, I think you have to be more direct with those types. Just... Referring back to what you were saying, Catherine, one of the responses on this women's journalism list thread to this problem put forward of I was at a nonprofit meeting, the guy was touching me. One woman wrote, um, it aggravated her. She said that we're trained to tiptoe around men's feelings, even as they're stepping on our own. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that does annoy a lot of people that they're like, why should I respond in a soft way why should we do that when they don't do that to well, us? Why, why are we that way with children? I mean, we don't get angry and yell at children either when we're educating them or teaching them something because it wouldn't get through. But we do it in a more sympathetic way and we show, show them how to do it. And, you know, if you want to assume that you're the superior of the sexes, then you have to educate. You can't uh, fight your way through that. I mean, we've seen people do that and that usually backfires. But they'll just stay away from you and then you won't get what you want. You know, I think the more you want to be insulted by this, and it is very insulting. I'm not saying it's not. But, you know, the, the response does not have to be hate to hate. It doesn't have to be equal, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, I have all kinds of opinions about this because, by the way, I don't think it's just men that harass. There are plenty of women who use their sexuality yeah. to get ahead. 
So to understand that while we want to be professional, that the workplace does have two genders and that there is going to be sexual tension and that some people are not going to be as smart as others in terms of the proper boundaries. So I'm an older person relative to someone 20 or 30. I've come to that decision. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I hated it if someone made sexual advances to me. And I was actually realizing when I did the Peace Corps, I mean, there I was, the minority American woman, and men would shout obscenities at me because they assumed that American women were slutty, and so they felt that they had free license to say whatever they wanted to me. And I did not take the high road. I shouted back obscenities (laughs) about their anatomy because I didn't know what to do in this situation. And I think that's part of it. So to just uh, uh, accept and have awareness, even though it's not fair that this is part of one's professional development, I guess that's what I'm saying is it's not, you don't have to embrace it and say that's fabulous. Just say this is part of your reality. I don't think it should be part of our reality at this point in time, but the evidence all around me shows it is. And I also want to talk about that men comment Kathy made about treating men like children. On the one hand, I get it. Some older men stuck in the past may need educating. And anyone who's been in the workplace for a while knows diplomacy is a big part of the game. On the other hand, if we take this approach, aren't we infantilizing men? And aren't we letting them off the hook in all sorts of ways? That's a tough one for me. Catherine says she knows a 50-something guy who landed a big job at a non-profit, but not long after starting, he was taken aside by HR, and he was told to nix what he thought were harmless comments, things like, you look lovely, or got a date tonight? He was told the women in the office found them insulting. And he curtailed his behavior, but he was not aware of it. For many men... And because of the level of sensitivity varies so much from woman to woman and workplace to workplace, it's confusing for them. And with the sexual revolution, it's even more confusing because, you know, if you think about, I'm making it more complicated, but if you think about the access that men have now to images and to sex and to women of all shapes and sizes, I think that a a tendency to objectify is there. And so the need to correct and instruct and inform and educate men in terms of what is appropriate language and behavior remains a big job for all companies. At this point, I'm dying to hear from male listeners. If you have thoughts about any of this, either write to me or even better, send me a voice memo from your phone so I can include you as part of the next show. That'll come out on February 22nd. I'm at ashley at thebroadexperience.com. Here's what I'll say in closing. Cultural change takes a long time. Women have risen relatively quickly in the workplace during the past few decades, but society is very much still catching up. You can see it in the way the media portrays women. Yes, it's got better, especially on certain TV shows, but still, look at the ads around you. I mean, on the New York subway, they still have breast enlargement ads with women holding melons up to their chests. This kind of thing is not helping us, and it's everywhere. I used to think millennial men were models of enlightenment, but I've heard a few things since I've been doing the show that have made me less sure. Again, I'd love to hear your views on that by email, voicemail, or you can just comment on the website. That's The Broad Experience for this time. 
If you haven't yet given the podcast a review on iTunes, I would so appreciate it if you did. And if you'd like to support this one-woman show, go to the support tab at thebroadexperience.com. You can find out more about the official show t-shirt there as well. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening.